still in her seat here, so not yet. Okay, but exciting news for you. Um, next week, we're starting a, a Sunday school class that is a follow-up. Most uh, Everyone in Sunday school this morning heard about it, but we want to announce it to those that weren't in Sunday school. Next Sunday, we will start uh, Discipleship Explored. And uh, it's another... Uh, Here's a video uh, segment that we're going to watch and then more discussion around the, the table. If you haven't been to the Christianity Explored, I really want to encourage you to come and join us for this time. There's, again, it's a quality uh, uh, program. They do these video uh, segments in a great way. And it's very challenging. And it's something that um, I don't want you thinking, hey, I, I kind of been there, done that kind of thinking, Okay. We, we who were in there for Sunday school for Christianity Explored were stretched and it was a really good study. Amen? Yeah. Amen? And uh, so we hope that you will join us uh, next Sunday for the start of Discipleship Explored, which, by the way, will be a study through the book of Philippians. And this is basically an eight to ten week, eight to ten week series. And I really, um, I want to just stress this, that it's, it's really good. And we hope that you'll join us and see for yourself. Okay? All right. Uh, we're in Colossians chapter 1. And um, just a bit of a touch on last week. Last week, um, we mentioned that Paul wrote the letter after hearing Epaphras' report of the Colossian church, where false teaching was creeping in and diluting the gospel message. It, it wasn't a false teaching that was pushing Christ totally out. It was just simply diluting the gospel message. Paul had never visited the Colossian church and the people there at Colossae, so when he wrote to them, he began by celebrating the gospel effect that drew them all in to where he was uh, going with this letter. He didn't start with a problem of false teaching, he started by celebrating the gospel effect that was active in their lives. And that's where we were last week. We're saying, is this true of us? Is the gospel making an effect in our life as a church and in our lives as individuals? And so now, in this, now he just carries on with this idea of prayer that we're going to continue on with. And he gives them his assurance of prayer support for them. And most of us know this is called intercessory prayer. And uh, before I get too far ahead of myself, let's read the passage, okay? I want to start at verse 3. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even, it, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us 
of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Well, Heavenly Father, we ask that because you're the author of the Word of God, the Bible that we hold, we pray that you would speak to our hearts here. Lord, guide us in this for your glory, for our growth, for our adoration of you and our obedience unto you, Lord. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Intercessory prayer. It's basically simply stated praying on behalf of somebody else. Okay? That's simple. But, all too often, because it's something simple and we get it and we understand it, all too often, praying for others simply becomes what? A a grocery list of chores to do. Or a laundry list, a work list of chores to do. Right? We've got a list of people or issues that we want to pray about. and, And it's like, because I know and you know, we're busy and it invades our prayer life all too often. And so I, I kind of liken it to um, using a shotgun in a long-range uh, accuracy shooting contest. I got my shotgun and I can sure shoot it and make some noise, but I'm not really hitting the target that's way out there. Okay? And, um, you know, everyone else has brought their rifle than their scope. And they're, you know, they're careful about, you know, trying to shoot down at that target and hit it and be effective. And I can get into it and you can get into it. We bring our shotgun and just, boom, there it goes. And we pray. Yeah, we say, well, yeah, I prayed, I prayed. But here we're, we're finding out that Paul hasn't even been there and yet look at what he does here first he says back up in verse 3 praying always for you and then he says in verse 9 for this reason since the day we heard of it we have not ceased to pray for you now by the way does that mean he's praying 24 hours a day constantly for these folks no it doesn't but it means something else and we're going to see that in just a little bit But get this in our minds now. This prayer is really, this kind of prayer is one of the standards we ought to use to measure ourselves in with praying. I believe we are a praying group. I believe that. But what we've got to do is kind of get focused here on what it, what the Bible is really saying it is. And so number one, we're looking at here Paul's intercessory prayer. That's the title of the message. And there's just two points to this now. The first one is, here's the season of intercession. And the season is, letter A, when all is well. And and you, you have to stop and say, now, think of this. Think with me. We, um, we sound the alarm, and rightly so, when something bad happens. And we say, get to praying. Get on your knees. Pray, pray. We got something's happened here. But you know what? Paul's not, he's not dealing with something bad. What's he dealing with? He just said it in verse 6. You look at it. 
in verse, I'm sorry, verse 4 and 5, he's saying, hey, you know what? I've heard of your faith in Christ and your love for the saints and uh, because of the hope that's in heaven for you, laid up in heaven for you. And we're praying without ceasing for you. It's like, well, what's, what's with that? Isn't it supposed to be like, um, by the way, would you pray for the church at Corinth? They're really messed up. He doesn't say that. He says, we're going to keep praying for you and every time it comes up, we'll be praying for you. Okay? He says, for this reason, here's why Paul interceded for him. It was due to Epaphras' report since the day we heard it and it's not about when things go bad. The praying isn't about when things go bad. The praying isn't about when things unravel. The praying is for when things are going well. Why? If God is working, little rabbit trail, I think He's working in our church. And when He's working, are you moving along in that direction as an individual? Are you going in that direction? God's moving. Let's, let's move together in this way. And it's about what? It's not about church growth. It's about the gospel. Because we just read that and we see here's what the gospel does. It brings about fruit. Okay? But what happens when things go well? The enemy gets started because he doesn't want God to succeed. Get that. Get that in your minds. Get, let that sink in. When things are going well, the enemy obviously wants to trip things up, mess things up, throw the wrench in the works, right? Nothing pleases the enemy more than that. And so, prayer, when things are going well, okay? The season of intercession. You see these uh, students up here, you know, helping, and, and you see them around, you pray for them. They're you know, we say, oh, we, we can't read the hearts, but we look at it and say, they're doing well. Pray for them. Pray that they, as Bill mentioned, that they'll continue to walk with God. And you know it, we've said it before, you students know, when you leave, here's coming a greater test in your lives. The test of, will you walk with God when you leave these, this community, when you go off to wherever? Will you walk with God? It, you know, God is sovereign. God does His work, but it, it's got to take our response of faith and walking with Him. So, what's the lesson here? When God is at work, the enemy will get to work. The enemy wants to mess things up. Letter B, the season of intercession is whenever. <laughs> Whenever, that's, he's made that clear. But what does that mean? How do we understand it? Is Paul praying 24 hours a day? When he thought and prayed for the Colossians specifically, was he doing that constantly? No, because he had other people and other situations that he was dealing with. But how could he say he was praying without ceasing or whatever? You know, it's a matter of, the uh, commentators call it this God consciousness. It's constant. And so, the idea is that we would reflect the lesson from Paul. 
And Paul takes everything that happens to him, not just certain things, but everything. He collects it and it goes through the filter of praise and prayer. Everything. Okay? It's not just saying, uh, we got prayer meeting Wednesday night and that's when I pray. Okay, that's, that's, that's not the way we should think of prayer at all. You pray without ceasing. And you do it by way of habit. Here's the habit. You leave here today and you drive off or walk off or whatever you do. Guess what you can do? You can pray. As you go into the new week, tomorrow morning, you wake up and you start praying. You start talking to God. Everything that you connect with, everything. You're just saying, oh, Lord, you see this person, you know, that please help them. Help them to come to know you. Or I know this person's a Christian, so help them to grow in you and their faith. And it's more direct and purposeful in that way. It's not in a careless way, not in an unconcerned way, not in a, just the broad, dear God, please bless, bless all the missionaries in Africa. Although that's cute, we've heard that with children, that's cute, but you know, we're, we're not to be little children anymore in our faith. We need to grow up and pray more specifically with more accuracy. Okay? So this, listen, this is the privilege of God's children to run into God's throne room without fear. How do you like that? You're a child of God. If you're a child of God, you can run into His throne room and say, Abba, Father, I come in Jesus' name. What a privilege it is. And just remember that. Keep saying that to yourself. This is a privilege to pray. It's a privilege to talk to the King of Kings. We come there to lay our burdens down before Him. To be praying to Him throughout the day as we go, as we sit, as we work, as whatever we do. You wake up in the middle of the night, pray. Why not? Right? Start praying for your, for your parents. Pray for your kids. Pray. What comes to mind first? Let's talk to God, right? So, what's the season of intercession? When all is well, and yes, when things are not so well. But whenever, at all times. Get into that habit. Don't compartmentalize your Christian life. Number two. Number two is labeled the skill of intercession. And here's where, interestingly enough, it gets a little challenging for us. Okay? Again, remember what he's dealing with here. Verse 9, he says, We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask, what? That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, the skill of intercession starts with knowledge. Knowledge. We want knowledge. Without knowledge, we're not going to be much. We must have knowledge. It's through the knowledge 
of facts of what Jesus did on the cross that helps us to respond in faith. Knowledge. And the word, this is interesting now, because he's going to be, in chapter 2, Paul is going to be dealing with a problem of the Gnostics. And they had the superior knowledge that they said, if you don't have this, you don't make it. So you need the superior knowledge. Well, Paul, guess what kind of word Paul uses? He uses the word gnosis here in this, in this verse. But he, there's the prefix on the word gnosis to make it more intensified. It's epignosis. Making it full knowledge. Deeper knowledge. And listen, God wants you to what? Know Him. Now, most all of us in, in church attendance, we would answer in the affirmative. Yes, I know God. But we need to remember, this is not just about head knowledge, and most of us are answering by way of head knowledge. And the more we learn about God, the more we learn facts of the Word of God, the more we realize God wants us to know Him experientially. We need to know the facts so that we come to know the Father in an intimate way. And, you know, some of us have problems in this way. It's like we emphasize knowledge and right away we kind of go, whoa, 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 whoa. Why do we do that? You know, sometimes it might be that there's intimidation behind it or something. And obviously we know behind knowledge there's this issue of um, arrogance and pride that so easily comes in with knowledge. And we've, we'll see what happens here as he goes through this little, this little prayer. But you know what? God's revealed Himself right here in the Word of God. We know that the Bible says He's revealed Himself to us in all of creation. His hand, His fingerprints, handprints are all over as we look at creation. But He's revealed Himself in knowledge here in the Word of God to learn it and to learn about Him. And so there's a treasure chest right here. And what we hold, this is a treasure chest of knowledge about God. And really, he, you know, even it's uh, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Just mark it down. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. And that says, my people are, what? Destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He's talking about the, the people of Israel. They're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Well, we carry it over and we bring it to ourselves also. If we don't have knowledge and growing in knowledge, then we're not going to re- be growing to know the Lord. The, the need to study the Bible. You, you can't have, you know, it's not like you can just figure, I'm growing in my Christian life, but never crack open the Bible. That's that's not going to happen. You must open up the Bible to learn about God. Otherwise, you're going to be just like the Colossians. Eastern mysticism. Just sit there and be quiet and God will... Whatever. We don't know what God will do. You, You must have the guidance 
and the, the, the boundaries, so to speak, of God's holy word. That's where you start. That's where you keep going. That's where you keep digging. Now, knowledge. Control of my mind is determined by what? By knowledge. If I fill my brain with, um, I don't know, we talked about hunting earlier, you know, rifles and, and such, uh, you know, the inline fisherman magazines. If that's all I take in, I'm going to be sickening you with illustrations about fishing or stories about fishing. We were pretty good at that in Minnesota. I caught one, you know, all that. Whatever it is that fills your mind, okay, is controlling your mind. And what I know controls my thoughts. The more that I have the thoughts of God, the Word of God, you know, here we, you know, memorizing these verses. That's why. So we can learn of what? What are we wanting to know about? Letter B. His will. Knowledge of His will. Hey, listen. All Paul is doing here is, is repeating the formula of Jesus. You study the life of Jesus and it's like he kept saying it to the disciples. Hey, you know what I'm about? I'm just about doing my Father's will. That's what I'm about. That's all I'm here to do. I'm about my Father's will. The Father's will was always the key to what Christ did. His constant aim in life. John chapter 4, verse 34. My food is to do the will of Him that sent me. My food. Okay? John chapter 5, verse 19 and 30. John chapter 6, verse 38. Okay? Those references there. If we're saying we're Christians... And we look at the life of Christ, especially with these verses, we're saying, wow, look at what Christ did. He was always about His Father's business and always seeking after the will of the Father, doing the will of the Father. And that's what you're, you are called to do. Do the will of the Father. You say, oh, now, now here we go. What's God's will? And uh, many get confused when we get to this stage of the game. It's like, well, um, this is God's will for my life. And it's almost like it's more, you know, dreamt up, some idea. And this is, you know, sounds cool or whatever. But is it really God's will? And how do you know if something's God's will? Yes! The treasure chest, here it is. This will tell you God's will. Now, the things that I learned young in my younger years, it was basically this. Here's the, here's the approach. Are you saved? If you are saved, bingo, God's will. You're in God's will. It's His desire that no one is not, you know, that, that all come to repentance. That's His desire. If you're here this morning and you know in the depths of your heart you're not a believer, you're not in God's will, obviously. God's will is for you to be rescued, for you to be delivered from your sins, for you to be saved. 
And that does not happen with good works and good behavior on your part. It happens through faith alone in Christ alone. So, you need to come to faith in Christ. You need to admit your sin to Him. And you need to receive the gift that He gave. Come to faith in Christ. Believe on Him for your salvation. He took your judgment. He took your punishment. And so... Are you in His will? Well, you start with the issue of salvation. Um, once you go there, then it's a matter of are you, are you active? Living for Him? Honoring Him? Growing? Um, it's called sanctification. Is, is that happening in, a, in your life? You know that you're, you're in a struggle because of here's sin and here's what the Savior calls me to do. Are you in that struggle? That's good if you're in that struggle because here's where sanctification comes about. What does God do with the, you know, grinding off the, all the, the stuff that's built up in a, in a person's life? He puts you against the grinder to shine you up. And that's why we have difficulties. That's why there's tough times. And you, you ask God to help you through that process. But, where are you? What, what are you feeding your mind with? If you're not in the Word of God, you're going to keep on running into a dead end. And you're going to keep on being frustrated in your Christian life. So, His will. What is it? Another way to say it? His, his desire. It's His pleasure. Okay? He wants us to be responding to Him you know, submitting to His Word. There's another... Here's how you, you're in God's will. You're submitting to Him in His Word. You're, you're specifically giving Him thanks. Are you in God's will? Don't just stop with saying, I'm saved and that's enough. There's other things involved in being in God's will. And then, if you're God's child, if you're His by faith in Christ... Right? And you're, you're involved in serving Him. You're, you're doing your best each and every day to submit and yield to Him. What comes of that? He says, you know, you're walking by faith. You decide. He gives us that opportunity. You decide. Here's what I, I want to do with my life. You know what strengths and weaknesses you have. Here's, here's the, just the issues of life that we face. Keep walking by faith. And if you if something comes up and you know, you know, this things aren't just right. I don't have a peace in my heart. I'm going to back away from this and step back because I want to seek what? I want to seek God's will. And He's not going to write it in the sky. You're, you're going to learn it as you grow, as you're reading the Word of God. Here's knowledge. We pray that you, the, the knowledge of His will Okay? The knowledge of His will. Now, it, He doesn't just ask that you would know it. Just know that, the, just have the knowledge of His will. What does He say? That you would be filled. That's letter C. Fulfilling. Filling. We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Okay. Here's, 
here's where most of us are at. The issue is, are we saved? Yes, okay. We can say we know His will. That's to be saved and to serve Him and submitting and, and living for Him, all that. But the issue comes back to this thing of being filled. Are you... And what's another word for the, uh, the idea of filling? If I'm full of anger, what's controlling me? It's anger. So it's a, a thing of filling and control. They're the same idea. It's the same concept. And so the Bible says a number of times, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled or be controlled by the Spirit. And here Paul is praying that you be filled with the knowledge of His will. So, it's not just know a few things. And that's where a lot of us are at also. I know a few things about, about the Gospel or about the Bible. I know a few things. What is he saying? He's not saying that. He's saying that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will. Why? So that here's, here's where it comes, and we'll get to this next week, but here's where it comes to conduct, behavior. If you're filled with the knowledge of His will, then your conduct and your behavior is going to what? Reflect Jesus Christ. So, it's not just a few things. It's be filled with the knowledge of His will. So, here's the question. What are you filled with? What are you filled with? What's the, what's the dominant thing? If, if we were to ask the question later on on Wednesday in the week, what are you filled with? I know a lot of times I'm just filled with worry. I shouldn't be. Or I'm filled, let's be really honest, I'm filled with myself. I, it's just about, really, it's just about me. Is that what you can relate to? And the more we are saying, God, um, deal with my heart. See, a lot of times, we just keep throwing up the, the little biscuit, saying, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved. I'm God's child. I'm going to heaven. I go to church. I have a Bible. In fact, i got five Bibles. We just throw out those things like it's like that's somehow the answer to blessing from God. And guess why we don't grow? Guess why we just stay in a rut? And, you know, I, I don't know. I can't say certainly, you know, that we're all in a spiritual rut because we've all been... You know, just hanging out with this thing and saying, I'm saved and that's all that matters. We've got to examine it ourselves. Each and every one of us. You're saying, I, I, I just come to church on Sunday just to get, you know, just, you know, what, what, for whatever reason. <laughs> that's not the right reason to come to church. Look, in this little prayer, I feel like I get grabbed by the shirt right here and grabbed by the Spirit of God saying, Where are you? Where, what are you really about?
I think it's just in some way or another to shake us out of our our complacency. All too often I'm filled with fill in the blank. What are you filled with? Are you depressed? Maybe it's that you just have a a real hang up with being depressed. What is it for you? I'm not asking you to respond out loud. I just, you need, you know, let's be talking about, talk with your family about it. How can we then get filled with the knowledge of His will? Well, it starts with digging in the treasure chest. You gotta be going back to the Word. Take the memory card and put it up on the refrigerator. Put it on, put it on your windshield in your truck or something. Get the Word of God more and more into your heart and life. I realize that we all are learning and growing. Okay, I realize we're all in that kind of a process. And God's not finished with us yet. Isn't that good? That's good. God's not finished with us yet. And today, today, thank you Lord, today is a new day. It's a gift from God. If we get tomorrow, tomorrow is a gift from God. Okay? Listen, it's been said by many, either a Christian is in a test or a trial or waiting for the what? The next one to come about. And that waiting thing, it's not that you get to call when the next test or trial happens. So we better be ready. We better be ready. And how are we ready? Being in the Word. Putting the Word of God into action and applying it. Oh, ah, amazing. Look at what he says next. Verse 9. In all spiritualism and understanding. I'm so glad he added that. You know why? Because I'd probably be one of them and many others of being guilty of arrogance with the facts and the knowledge of the Word of God. See, that's the problem of humanity is that you know, here we're called to learn and grow in knowledge. We're not called to grow in feelings. Okay, now I said it. We're not to grow in feelings and feeling really excited about Jesus. That's a fruit of what ought to be that what God calls us to. He calls us to grow in knowledge. You go look up in Strong's Concordance. How many times do you see the word feelings? You go look up how many times the strong concordance says emotionalism. <laughs> now, I said it already. I am walking into <laughs> deep water here, some of it. But here's the thing. It's a matter of what comes forth from doing the right thing. You do the right thing. Grow in knowledge of the Word of God and God will bring about feelings. It's kind of like the caboose on the train. You don't feel that it's there, but it's there and, you know, great. The idea is that you're driven in your life by facts in the Word of God and your faith jumps on to that 
that engine, the facts of the Word of God. And there's too many of us that are floundering because we're not going by the facts of God's Word, the knowledge of His will, and we're trying to reach out for something else, just like the Colossians were in trouble of. You get that? And so, he's, he, he comes forth with this prayer. Simple intercessory prayer. Okay? Be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Mark it down. We're not going to look it up. Important verse. Mark it down. Proverbs 24, 1 through 14. Proverbs 24, 1 through 14, especially verses 3 through 5. But these, here's, here's this last point really. It, I didn't even put it in the outline, but it, it'd be letter D under number 2, and that is in spiritual wisdom and understanding. So these are the qualifiers. It can't just be a matter of an accumulation of facts, right? That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying just accumulate facts so you can be really cool in Bible quiz time. It says in spiritual wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, it's the practical outworking of knowledge. Here's your knowledge. You're gaining knowledge. You're reading the Word of God. And here's wisdom. Wisdom is the practical outworking of knowledge. What's understanding? Understanding is a matter of discerning and dis, uh, distinguishing the things that you're learning. So, many, many times I just run right over this verse. Oh, yeah. Pray about the knowledge. And it's like you, you're just quoting it just so you can get through the little pop quiz about what verse 9 is. But we take our time and we look at what the words are saying and it comes back to challenge you. Each one of us who say, yes, I'm a Christian. What am I filled with? Paul's point to his prayer. Just read the verse. That's the point is that you be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, not about fleshly, carnal use, not about self-centered use to gain superiority over somebody else. Look at James chapter 3. James chapter In James chapter 3, verse 13. Now remember, we just, said, we just added this last point that it's, you understand, you, that you're filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 13, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom is not that which is, uh, which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Look, you and I can be in that category very easily if we're not filled with the knowledge of His will. We can be filled with facts. We can be filled with 
whatever, ourselves, our selfish agenda, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, we're operating in the wisdom of this earth. The wisdom that's from below. But, verse 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Okay? This is, this is something that ought to serve as not just how we pray. Is this how you pray? Or are you like me when I mentioned about the, just having the shotgun? <laughs> how are you praying? And here's the standard for how we should pray. Let's pray for one another to be, what? Filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And it not only serves as a great, great way to pray for others, intercession, but it's also a motivator for you to grow as a believer. And all too often, I've said it already, just, I'm not gonna say a lot about it here, but too much in, in the church age today, it's too much about feelings. It's too much about, you know, what God, you know, and, and we can translate it in, in our Christianese and say, oh, God's blessed me this in this and this. But when the trial and the storm of life comes, what are you going to be like then? What will you be like? See, God wants you, His child, to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Yes, Yes, God, please help us with this challenge. Now we're going to shift to remembering and celebrating what Jesus did for us. I, I remember that he, he laid down his life. He purposely went to the cross and he laid down his life for me, for you. And I have to think, you know what? How wonderful is that? It is sobering. And it causes me to be amazed. But it's also a source of thank you, Jesus. Let's praise you, Jesus. Let's give you the thanks for the fact that you laid down your life so that people could know God. I'd like the men to come at this time who are serving uh, communion. To come.